I'm going to ask you to take God's Word in your hands and turn uh, to uh, the book of Deuteronomy this morning. Um, you're going to be a part of a Mother's Day miracle because I'm going to preach a quick sermon because we've done a lot already and uh, we're going to uh, get you out on time. But I want you to uh, turn to the book of Deuteronomy and we're going to talk this morning because we're in between series right now. We just finished a series uh, out of the first half of the book of Acts called Unfinished. And next week we're going to kick off a new series out of the book of Hebrews that we are calling heroes, looking at the heroes of the faith, and we'll be doing that all throughout uh, the months of the uh, the summer uh, season. And uh, looking forward to that. We'll be kicking that off next week. And so we had an opportunity this week to uh, focus in on a particular subject matter. And that subject matter that I want to talk about today is parenting. Uh, it's something that many of us are involved in. And it's something that we don't usually spend a lot of time talking about. It's amazing right now. My 15-year-old son is involved in driver's education. And we're thankful for that. Amen. We want our kids to know how to drive the rules of the road and all of that. And so he has to spend a year, uh, a semester in classes, and then a year of training before they will give him uh, that plastic, plastic slip that says, you are ready to be a driver. Here's the crazy thing. I've had three children and there were no classes. There was no a semester of training. There was no, you know, we're going to give you a couple loner kids to try out for a while. And, and, and you're going to have them when you're in the accompaniment of, of an adult. It's amazing. We invest so much time and energy on other tasks that are far less important or imperative in our lives than we do with parenting. But God's Word speaks incredibly insightfully, if you will, <clears throat> excuse me, to the subject of parenting and how we can find success in doing so. And here's the thing. For many of you who are my peers raising kids today, it is a tough task. At times, many of us feel like we are failures. We look at others and their families seem all uh, put together and all cleaned up and, and we've got family issues and family struggles and there are some this morning that feel like they are drowning in this adventure that we call parenting. But I've got some encouraging words for you this morning that God wants to bring you help. God wants to bring you encouragement as you raise these gifts of the Lord that we call children. And Deuteronomy 6 is a great reminder of how we are to get there. Now John read uh, for us during the baby dedication and the child dedication the passage, but I want to just read the first three verses. Now this is the commandment the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all his statutes and all his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Let me pray real quick. Father God, we come before you, and we have enjoyed a wonderful service where we have spent time getting to know you more through song. We have seen you revealed in the words of children as they have sung praises back to you. 
We've seen it in the dedication and commitment of parents giving their children back to you, being reminded that you are um, uh, the owner of all things, including the families you've given us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time. Now we ask that as we open your word, Lord, I pray that we would be impacted in major ways because of what your word says on the subject of parenting. Father God, we just thank you again for this time and give you the glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Recently, and I'm going to throw my man card away when I say this, recently I was watching an episode of Little House on the Prairie. Yes, real men watch Little House on the Prairie. And uh, Charles and his wife were heading out, and if you don't know Little House on the Prairie, I'm not going to take the time to tell you what it's all about, but uh, they had gotten a letter that uh, uh, their high school reunion was about to take place, which surprised me a little bit that way back then there were high school reunions. And so they headed to Milwaukee, where they were from, to go to this high school reunion. And when uh, mom and dad got there, they were blown away by all of the accolades uh, of the people around them, the people they graduated with. There were business people and politicians and and people of great wealth and prosperity. And this uh, husband and wife that lived out on the prairie of Minnesota from a town called Walnut Grove, they felt very small, very insignificant. And on their way home, they're talking about how little they've done to change the world around them. And I don't know if it was the job of the director or the producers, but at the end of it, you really feel that they have failed in life. That they haven't done what they were called to do. That they didn't make the impact that they could have. But the last scene, the last part of the show, shows them walking into really their one-room home. And their three children coming to them and embracing them. Telling them how much they miss their mom and dad and how much they love them. And it pauses there for a moment, giving you this idea that what the directors are saying is, well, there's a lot of things to be successful for in this world and to enjoy the prosperity of. There is something awesome about the responsibility and the joy of being a parent. Of course, we just lost a first lady not too long ago, Barbara Bush. And during the episodes and interviews that took place, I saw an interview that was done when Barbara and George were president and first lady of our country. And Barbara Walters was doing an interview and she asked the question, what is your greatest achievement? And she started going down all of them. World War II fighter hero. Uh, was it the CIA uh, director? Was it vice president or ambassador to China? Or was it your uh, four years of being president of the United States? You're a man of great accomplishment. Which one is the greatest? And George looked at Barbara and Barbara looked at George and they both said together, our children still love us after all these years. And we enjoy having our children. Our children enjoy being with us. And we don't take that for granted. And we don't think that that's a small thing. Being parents to our children is the greatest accomplishment that we've ever been a part of. How can a president, how can a CIA director, an ambassador, a first lady say the greatest accomplishment they have is being a parent? Well, the Bible seemingly tells us as followers of Christ, That being parents is one of the greatest jobs we as human beings are given. It isn't the greatest. The greatest opportunity we have is to be one who proclaims 
the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and needy world. But God has given the opportunity to many of us to take that gospel and share it with the children that he gives us that we are to care for. But that's not an easy task. And I will tell you, amidst the week I have had, the last thing I wanted to talk about to you fine people was parenting. And I'll just be real with you that many of you find yourself in a similar spot. Parenting is difficult. God doesn't give you Christian children. He gives you savages. And he says, listen, you don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to far-flung places of the world to find people that literally you don't know how they operate or what they do or their tradition. He gives you children. And children, man, they go by their own things. They do their own traditions, their own ways. They are the most, just be, be honest with you, they're some of the most selfish people I've ever met. Amen? And God says we've got to love them. We've got to care for them. We've got to provide for them. And he tells us in his word that we should find joy in that process. Well, how are we to be successful Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9 gives us a road map to do so and I want to do so under three headings this morning to be a successful parent We have to live the right way. We have to live the right way the book of Deuteronomy really It's the fifth book of the Bible and it really is designed to be a uh, retelling and the re-giving of the law It's really just a synopsis of what Moses had been told by God in the book of Exodus. It's just a retelling. And one of the reasons why it's a repeating of what has been shared already is that this is a new generation of people in the book of Deuteronomy who are finally ready to obey and do what God's Word says. And because of that, God is preparing them to go into the promised land. And so we have this new retelling, this repeating. I find it ironic that one of the most masterful uh, scriptures on parenting is a repeating of something. Because parents, isn't that what we do every day? Just repeat the same stuff over and over and over again. Amen? Kids, you should feel very, very threatened right now because your pastor's raring for a fight as a parent this morning. All right? We repeat, and God knows that. And so he wants us as his people to know these things and to remember these things. And so he repeats these words again. Teach your children what it means to follow me. And the reason why is that the family is the building block of society. If the family in a particular area or a particular country is not in a good place, the country is not at a good place. If the family is broken, the nation will be broken. And some of you say, well, that's all right. I've got a great family. My great-great-grandparents, they were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. My parents were Christians. I'm a Christian. It's automatic. But I want you to know that you are one generation from all of that falling apart. Just remember the kings of Israel and Judah. Good king, good king, good king, good king. Things are rolling well. And it takes one bad king to ruin it for an entire country. And some of us need to recognize that we cannot be on cruise control and think that our kids are going to learn this by osmosis but that we've got to train them and teach them and show it. And by, by beginning to do that, we've got to live the right way. So how do we live the right way? Number one, living the right way involves a proper reverence. 
a proper reference. Notice verse 2. Moses says that the people are to fear God. That you may fear the Lord your God. The idea here is to revere, to respect. What we need to be teaching our children... And the first thing we need to teach them, listen, and this is very important, and we do a poor job at this, that the world doesn't revolve around them. And we need to teach the children that they are not uh, the center of the universe. And the easiest way that we can teach them that they're not the center of the universe is to show them that you and I are not the center of the universe. That the world doesn't go around us. The world doesn't determine its times of comings and goings on our schedule. We are not the most important people in the world. God says He is. And we are to fear Him. Hebrew National Hot Dogs has a great motto that I have fallen in love with. And it it is a great, I don't know if it gets me to buy their hot dogs, but it gets me to think about God. They say, we uh, answer to a higher authority. Your children need to know that you and your spouse answer to a higher authority. That God is the center of your universe. And if he's the center of your universe, that every decision, every plan, every dream, every decision funnels through that center being God because God is greater and wiser and more holy than anything we've ever come to see or recognize. And because of that, we have to revere God and we have to put God in a place that he is number one. And our kids need to see that. And we've got our priorities all messed up. We've got our kids thinking they're the most important thing. That their schedule, their academics, their athletics, their their activities are most important. And we show that through the priority that we have. As we run them around to and fro, they're important. But then we're haphazard and casual when it comes to our relationship with God. And, and we come in and we're unprepared for church. We come in and we're ill-prepared for times of study of God's Word in the home. And we tell our kids that there are more important things in the world than God. It begins for us with a proper reverence. Notice number two, there is a proper response. So you say, well, I fear God. I revere God. God is number one. Well, how do we know it? Notice Moses tells us as he continues on. He says in verse 2, that you will fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons. How? By keeping all his statutes and his commands, which I command you all the days of your life. So how do we know if we fear God? How will our children know if we fear God? By following his word. And I have a question for parents this morning. Do your children see you actively obeying the word of God? Do they see you struggling at times with your own selfish desires, your own selfish wants, your your temptations? Do they see and do they know about you that you're saying no to certain things so that you might say yes to the things of God? You see, those are things we need to be communicating with our children. We need them to know that. We need them to see that there is a way that seems right unto man that leads to destruction and we are tempted every day to go that way. 
and that there's a way that is right unto God, and it leads, even though it's a narrow path, it leads to eternal bliss and joy, and that the forever question in our life is, which way will we go? And we need to help our children recognize that every part of our being wants to go right, and God is calling us left, and we're going to die to ourselves, and we're going to go to the left and follow God. Well, when we do that, when we revere God and we follow His commands, there is, and you can write this down, it's not in the outline, but there's seemingly a reward. A reward. What, what do I get? This is what the kids ask, right? If I obey God, what do I get? If I obey you, mom and dad, what do I get? Well, here's what God promises to His people. Notice in verse 2 and into verse 3 that you may enjoy a long life. The idea here is not a long life of duration. He's not promising that you will live a long life in years. What he's talking about is not the quantity of life, but the quality of life. That amidst the ups and downs of life, you will have a peace. The idea of long life is a peaceful life amidst all circumstances. As I did a study of what that word long life means in the Hebrew, a picture came to mind. I want you to see it for a moment. Notice, this is what the Hebrew people meant by a long life. Now, I don't know why, ladies, you do this. I, I, uh, you know, I, I wanted to show you a picture of my toes, but we would have had to have bags in the pews, okay? So I, I found a nice, uh, nice picture of toes on the Internet. But we see this, Right? And what we're depicting when we see this is I am in a place of ease. I am at a place of peace. Now there may be a lot of things going on in the world, but in that moment, I am at resting and enjoying the life God has given me. That is the long life that God wants to give when we fear Him and when we do what He says. He wants us to enjoy a life of peace and a life of rest. We've got to live the right way. Notice number two. Not only do we need to live the right way, but we need to love the right way. We need to love the right way. Once again, this has to do with us as adults. I'm not even talking about loving your kids. I'm talking about loving the Lord. And what I've learned a lot of is that parenting is a lot like a home. And the home, if you really think about it, the home is going to rise and fall based on the foundation. We've had some crazy storms and some uh, windy days here in the Chicagoland area over the years. And I'm thankful during those windy days that my house is securely fastened to a concrete foundation that's deep into the ground. And I'll tell you, that's way more important than the window treatments that we have in the windows. That's way more important than the paint that we've got on the walls. It's way more important than the size of the TV we've got in the living room. And yet we invest all of our time and energy as families uh, on the things that decorate and seemingly tell the world that our house is in good order and we rarely examine the foundation to make sure that it's in a proper working place. As parents, we invest a lot of time on the things other people see instead of focusing in on the one thing only God sees. 
And so we have to love the right way. Well, who do we need to love? Well, in verse 4, we have one of the most famous passages of Scripture. It's called the Shema. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be like frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Well, how are we to love? Notice within this passage there is twice the word here. He's trying to get their attention. Again, how ironic that God is telling us that we don't hear the first time when someone says something to us. Sounds like in the Bedal home right now. We are dealing with some demons in the Bedal home right now. The demon is called Fortnite. How many of you have that demon in your home? Amen? Okay. So my wife, who is a very peaceable woman... 23 hours of the day will very nicely say hey guys let's go ahead and turn off the tv we have food and demonic voices come from the basement no we will not come up okay and so mom has to up the ante and i'm gonna leave it at that that uh, there's a war that goes on the other day i walked in and just walked right back out of the house i'm like there's a war going on and i'm playing the part of switzerland in this one okay And so we need to remember, just as kids have to be told over and over and over again, we have to hear from God over and over again. And he says, I want you to get, I want to get your attention. And there's a couple things that he wants our attention with regards to. Number one, he wants us to have the right focus. The right focus. In verse four, he tells us something. He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what he's telling us is, is that we serve one God, not a multiplicity of gods. And that would be important as they went into the promised land where there was a group of of nations that had all kinds, a litany of gods around them. And God says, listen, you're going to go into a world where there's lots of gods. Don't fall in love with them. Stay in love with me, the one true God. And what God wants us to know as parents is, we live in a world where there are lots of gods. There's lots of things that can grab our attention. There are a lot of things that can captivate us in this world. And God is saying, listen parents, listen follower of mine, follow me alone. So let me ask this question. Do your children know that you love the Lord and Him alone. Or, and, let, and here's the thing that's hard, is that your kids see things in you that at times you think you're hiding. Do your kids see you focused in on the things of the world? Do they see your eyes light up when you talk about the things of the Lord as you talk about uh, the impending Cubs sweep of the Chicago White Sox? Okay? Do they see your eyes light up about going to small group and studying God's Word and serving in the church as they do when you open Sunday's flyers with all the sales? 
Do they see you as excited when they come home and tell you what they've learned in class at church or in youth group than when they hit the game-winning home run on the Little League baseball field? You see, what we can do is we can tell our children inadvertently the things of God. Those are fine. Those are good. But there are greater things in the world. There are more, there are things that you should be more excited about. And in turn, we raise a group of children who turn away from the things of the Lord and who follow in our footsteps to the focuses that we have. Some of our children will grow up to be workaholics because they've learned that's what mom and that's what dad does. Some of our children will grow up and they will be all about getting the acclamations and the affirmations of friends and neighbors because that's what we've seen. Being popular is number one. Or being rich is number one. Or living in the nicest house is number one. Or driving the nicest cars is number one. And we tell them all that. And what God is telling us is, I am number one. Make me your focus in your family. Now notice, it's a focus, but it's also a fixation. He wants us to love Him with all. Not part. Not three quarters. Not the majority. Not 90%, but all. He wants all of who we are. All aspects of who we are. All elements of who we are. All the activities that we're a part of. He wants all of us. And we need to recognize that this isn't a duty, but it's a great delight. The God of the universe is inviting us into a relationship with Him so that in all that we do, we might be blessed. We've got to love the right way and involves a right focus and a right fixation. Notice we need to lead in the right way. We need to lead in the right way. Some of you right now are saying, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. He's number one. I've shown my children that day in and day out. I've led them as far as I can and now they are adults And they're not doing what the scripture says. I believe the words of Proverbs 22, 6, that you train up a child in the way they should go, and when they grow old, they'll not depart from it. And my golly, they've departed from it. Tim, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, is that's from the book of Proverbs, not the book of promises. And the book of Proverbs is sayings, and here's the definition of a, a proverb, is a simple and concrete saying, popularly known and repeated, which expresses a truth based on common sense and the practical experience of humanity. It's a good saying. It's got value. But it's not a promise. And some of you right now have done everything right as a parent, and nothing has gone the way you've wanted it to. Well, let me give you a word of hope. God's not done with you, and God's not done with your children. And I have heard stories upon stories of decades of of rebellion in a child, only to, at a point in the future, that child to stop and to turn to Jesus and redeem the relationship that seemingly was lost. Hope in God in that. Pray persistently for that, that the children that you have raised in a godly and honorable way will uh, be brought back. And, I, and I, tell, I tell people this all the time. Duck so God can hit them. 
Get out of the way. Let God do the work. God can do a way better job of bringing your children back to Him and back to you than you can do. So pray that God would do it. But what can we be doing in these days? Notice he says we need to be teaching our children. Well, to be able to teach, we as parents first have to store that up. I cannot do brain surgery. So if you need brain surgery done, I'm not your guy. I don't even know where to begin. I think you get a chainsaw. And and no, right? I have no idea how to do brain surgery. And the reason why is I've not stored up the information that is needed, the experience that is needed to perform that. Well, likewise, we can never take our children spiritually where they need to go if we ourselves are not storing up the information and the experiences that are needed to train them, to teach them. And so he says, first of all, store them up. Verse 6. He says, these shall be on your heart. The idea there is you're meditating on these things day and night. But we're to not only store these things up, but we are to share them. Teach them diligently to your children. The NIV does a great job of translating this. Literally, they connect with the Hebrew word to impress upon them. Because the word teach, or as the NIV says, impress, literally is to stab your children with it. Some of you are like, amen. Right? What is being said there is, your teaching should penetrate the heart and mind of your children. And it isn't something you just kind of throw, hey, here's some nuggets of information or nuggets of truth. But it's going and continually, it's a continual process of impressing upon them that which is needed to know about God and how to experience Him in a right way. Write this passage down. How do we do that? 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. I don't have time to invest a lot of time here, but uh, for the sake of uh, filling in your outline, I'll help you with it. And you can go back and, and look. But uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, Paul says the following. He says, uh, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. There are three ways that we can teach our children. Number one, we teach them by calling them to obedience. By calling them to obedience. It's the word exhorted. This is aggressive teaching. Exhort them. This isn't sometimes raising your voice and saying, listen to what I'm saying. This is important stuff. But we don't talk that way to our children all the time. There are times we need to comfort them with our love. Your children will make mistakes. Your children will make lots of mistakes. Your children will come home with broken hearts. Your children will come home with disappointment. And what they don't need to hear is an exhortation. What they need to hear is encouragement. A comforting, it's okay. I've been there before. I've lost a boyfriend or a girlfriend before. I've failed on a test before. I've, I've messed up when I shouldn't have. And we need to love them and comfort them in those times where they are broken. And finally, we are to challenge them to Christ's likeness. This is the charge. And there are times we've got to grab them lovingly by the nap of their neck 
And we need to tell them that the way they're going is not good. This happens, by the way, not at four and five years of age, but 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age. There's a lot of challenging going on right now because in, in our home because we have a child who's growing and starting to make decisions on his own. And they, he's challenging the status quo, right? And that's what kids do. But we need to challenge back and we need to encourage them and we need to exhort them in that process. So we need to love the right way. We need to lead the, light, lead the right way. We need to live the right way. Let me tell you some things about children just so you know about them so you don't forget. And then a couple things about the parents and I'll close. There's a couple things you need to know about children. Number one, they are designed by God. Your kids are a gift from God. Don't ever forget that. Moms, when you're at the end of your rope, when those savages are running wild and a coup d'etat is underway, don't forget to love them. Don't forget that God gave them to you and God gave them to us as a blessing. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible ever say a child is a curse. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, I'll show them how much I hate them. I'll give them children. He says the opposite. Let me show you how much I love you by giving you children. They're designed by God. Number two, not only designed by God, but they're all different. They're all different. We have three boys. One is completely opposite from the others. They're all different. I'm different than my brothers. You are probably different from your siblings. And we all are different. And what that means, and your kids will hate you for it because you hated your parents for it, is your parenting style, your parenting approach has to be different with each one. That doesn't mean you're not consistent. That doesn't mean you favor one over the other. But there is an ebb and flow because the Bible says that we are to train the child up in the way they will go, recognizing there's a natural bend to each of our children. And so some of you have children that if you yell at them, they fall apart. And then you have other children that if you don't yell at them, uh, they're taking over the world. And so there's a bend to each of them that you're going to have to figure out how to respond because each child is different. But here's what I want you to know. God has created each of his children differently. And have you recognized God deals with us differently? God addresses us differently. He's consistent. He loves us all the same, but he addresses and he disciplines some that he doesn't discipline others in the same way because we all are different. Uh, write this one down. Children are always disobedient. I, I mean, sometimes disobedient. Your kids are savages, okay? You say, that's a terrible thing to say. Well, get over it. The Bible says in Psalms 51.5 that your children were born in iniquity. And it doesn't take long. We could do a field trip to the nursery and we would see a group of children, mine, 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 mine. And if you took a toy from one kid and gave it to the other, a fight would ensue, right? Those kids don't care about us. They don't care whether we get sleep or not or food or not. They don't care. They care about themselves. And what a reminder of what we become when we're adults, right? 
that we'll do anything to take care of ourselves at the peril or expense of others. Children will be disobedient. And just because they're disobedient doesn't mean they shouldn't be loved by you or cared by you. I was incredibly disobedient as a child. I did things that the other people in the church thanked God their kids didn't do growing up. And I always knew my parents loved me. I always knew I got a beating coming to me when I got home. But I knew that they loved me. And kids are going to be disobedient. And kids are going to embarrass you. And kids are going to make you just want to pull your hair out if you've got it. And it's okay because that's what kids do. But kids grow up. And by God's grace, they grow up to do wonderful things for the Lord and for the world around them. Finally, kids uh, must be disciplined. Because they're savages, they got to be disciplined, right? And I know this is an unpopular thing. So, so get your pen ready. Write these down. The reason why your kids need to be disciplined is to remove foolishness. To remove foolishness. Proverbs 22.15, you can read that on your own, but it gets rid of foolishness in a child. It is to rescue them from judgment. Proverbs 23.13 and 14. Listen, uh, on that, someone will discipline your children. It'll either be you or it'll be the police, right? And so I think your kid will be better off. I think you'll be better off. I think the society as a whole will be better off if you do the disciplining instead of the police. All right? It's to remove foolishness. It is to rescue them from judgment. It is so that they can receive wisdom. To receive wisdom. Proverbs 29.15. To receive wisdom. Proverbs 29.15. And then finally, to reflect God's character. We discipline our children because God disciplines His children. Hebrews 12, 10, and 11. Hebrews 12, 10, and 11. Those are the children. Let me talk to parents real quick and then we're done. Parents, two things I want you to do. Number one, find delight in the disappointments. Find delight in the disappointments. Our kids will disappoint us. I can't tell you how many times I did things. My mom was in the audience, and I would look up smiling, thinking I was the funniest guy in the world, and I looked out, and my mom was crying. I disappointed her more times than I can tell you. She'll tell you. She's writing a book about it. Okay? Okay? We disappoint our parents. Kids, we disappoint them. And parents, our job is to find delight in it. Now listen, what that doesn't mean is, is you, you turn a blind eye to foolishness. We just talked about discipline. But what it says is, I'm going to love you in spite of your foolish decisions. Isn't that what God does? Isn't God faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness? That is what we are called to do as parents. So find delight, find joy in that journey, even as difficult as it may be. And number two, and I close, depend on God's strength, not your own. Some of you are trying to hold your families together with your own bare hands, and it ain't working. Because God never intended for it to work. Be a follower of His. Depend on Him. Pray often and persistently. And give your children, as these wonderful parents did during the dedication, to the Lord each and every day. 
and watch out and see what God will do.